Welcome to the Modern Meinhof Podcast. I am your host, Richard Huffman. This is the only podcast devoted to, yet unaffiliated with, the Bader Meinhof Group. We talk about the Bader Meinhof Group, the Red Army Faction, left-wing German terrorism of the 1970s, and other related ephemera. And today I have an interview with um, Luke Haynes, who is a fairly prominent English musician who fronted the bands The Auteur, I'm sorry, the auteurs, um, Black Box Recorder, um, and other projects. He's sort of a seminal um, 90s and 2000s um, musician. And in the mid-90s, he had a side project that he called Botter Meinhof. It's sort of a concept album, and it's honestly fantastic. And And I've been wanting to speak with him for a very long time, so this is a great opportunity and a great pleasure for me to be able to talk to him. Throughout the interview, I'm going to intersperse snippets of some of the songs from um, his album. If you were at all interested um, on it, check out my Amazon links. It's usually available. Sometimes it goes out of print, but if it's available, snap it up. It's a terrific, terrific album. Um, and also, you can go to my store and find links to his um, really um, excellent, interesting, funny um, book about the downfall of Britpop and his role in it. So without further ado, here's my interview with Luke Haynes. So we are speaking with Luke Haynes, legendary British musician with the band Auteurs, Black Box Recorder, and he's helped to find the British music scene for, gosh, the past 20-odd years. His memoirs of his early years called Bad Vibes, Britpop, and My Partner's Downfall was published last year. And the reason why it's a particular honor for me to speak with him today is his singular mid-90s side project, Bader Meinhof, which is certainly among the best pieces of art directly influenced by the Bader Meinhof era. Rolling Stone called his Bader Meinhof project an ambitious musical hybrid comprising broken funk, Middle Eastern string sections, and cheesy black exploitation synth sounds. And I, for one, don't hesitate to add that it's fantastic. Um, thank you so much, Luke, for spending some time um, speaking with me. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. So how did Bader Meinhof come about? It's, 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 Rolling Stone described it as a, as a, as a soundtrack for a, like a non-existent film. Yeah, I think I think I kind of fed them that one. Um, it was <clears throat> I'd, um, I'd I'd been in um, when I when I when I wrote the song, the first song, which was called Bader Meinhof. Um, I I'd just been in hospital with um, two two broken ankles, and um, I was kind of on a lot of painkillers, and, um, and and sort of I, I kind of you know I, I I was I was sort of on morphine and stuff like that, and uh, it, it kind of came the song kind of came out of nowhere. Um, when I was really writing songs for what was going to be the auteur's third album, but this song Bader Meinhof just just kind of popped out of the air as as songs sometimes do, and um, uh, it was one of those those strange things where I didn't really know that much about the subject. All I had was my kind of memories of um, what, what I what I later found out was a German, German autumn when I when I did my my research yeah. after I'd written the song. Um, and I had my memories of that uh, from from kind of BBC News when I was a a child, uh, and I, I just sort of wrote it fairly intuitively that first song. And it, as I say, it was, it was kind of it was kind of almost dreamlike, really. And I had the kind of sounds of it in my head. I knew it should have that that kind of that kind of strange, kind of really sort of deathly slow kind of funk sound um, with with sort of uh, harsh violins and stuff. I had that all in my head. Um, and so it was really just a matter of recording it. But first of all, I had to make the After Murder Park album. 
So when you were um, putting it together, you were talking about um, you had to do your research. What what was what did your research comprise of? Because I'm thinking at the time, you know, my my website came out after your album and there was uh-huh. nothing really out there. And I, I guess in England, there would have been uh, Jillian Becker's Hitler's Children book and Stefan Aus' Bader Meinhof Complex. Not a lot else. And I was all, I've always been deeply impressed by the breadth of references in the in the in the album and and um you know it belies a real you know a pretty pretty deep understanding or a pretty deep knowledge of some of the the various um facts that went on with uh with the group at the time what, what did you do for your research well i kind of um as, as the songs kind of progressed and another thing um about the album is that the it was almost the, the order of the songs on on the CD and on the vinyl um, is this kind of the order they were written in. And as the songs progressed, I was kind of getting more information um, about the subject matter because I did. I kind of started off, you know, with with kind of scant information, as I said. Um, but I, I kind of thought that didn't that didn't really matter because um, uh, the whole you know the whole the whole notion behind it really was was um, about this kind of sound I had in my head and this other kind of developing interest, which was in sort of European um, terrorism, sort of post-1968 post sort of terrorism, I suppose, up, up from, from then really up until the kind of, um, up until, I suppose, the, uh, you know, the, the Iranian Revolution in 79. Um, and I was kind of developing an interest in all this stuff, but it didn't, act, because, it was a, because it was a CD and album, it didn't actually matter you know, if I was, if I kind of went off course a bit, because I was never making any claims for it to be any kind of like great academic yeah. study, and, and 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 records and stuff like that, they're kind of better if you kind of if you kind of shoot off course, because um, it had to be. I wanted it to be dreamlike, really. But um, my, my, I kind of the research I managed to do was kind of in in sort of old bookshops, really, because there was no, uh, you know, I don't, I, it, was, it was kind of pre-internet, or yeah. you know, certainly it was pre pre. Um, uh, anyone you know, having you know the internet to a large extent, um, and you know they were they were kind of still bookshops around. So I uh, yeah you're right about Julian Becker's book, and I think I think the Stefan House book was um, was actually out of print at the time. So I didn't read that till till later on, um, or it was certainly out, certainly out of print in in English. Um, uh, Tom Vague um, uh, wrote a book, um, a kind of like primer, and there were other things like uh, there are other kind of like more general kind of um, Terrorism books that uh, you could get in shops like Foils in uh, in in uh, uh, in central London, you know, which were old bookshops, you know. So what did your um what did your I guess your label or or or, or your manager what did they think of when you said I, I'm doing this uh, kind of concept album about terrorism? Well, the manager thought it was a terrible idea, um, and uh, <clears throat> I mean when I first I, I, I think I kind, of, I kind of wrote something in in, in my book about it, playing to, to my manager who was just sort of uh, just thought it was you know a ridiculous uncommercial idea and it was but that didn't matter that wasn't the point um <laughs> uh and and the but the label were kind of um you know i was lucky enough to be on a label called hut who um 
uh, whilst they were kind of uh, been successful with with other artists, they seemed to take the the kind of um, the very kind of uh, righteous uh, attitude that they would uh, they they pour forth the money <laughs> from successful artists like the Verve into the less successful things like Bader Meinhof. So there was there was never any problem with the label. They just Dave, Dave Bourne, my label boss, just thought it was thought it was great, um, and just saw it totally as a kind of art project. You know, it didn't really, you know, we, we didn't. It wasn't it wasn't an expensive record to make. It wasn't that expensive, you know. It was, uh, you know, we and I, I, I kind of recorded it sort of weirdly in a kind of covert way, even though I didn't need to. Um, I just thought it would, it would be better to, to do it like that. So, um, you know, I, I kind of recorded it in a sixteen-track studio. Um, you know, at weekends, you know, mm. and, and just would would call everybody up kind of the night before, you know, and, and just sort of like catch them, you know, off guard a little bit and say, you know, you're going into the studio now, you know, and we've got, I've got two more songs and we're going to get them done in the weekend, you know, so that's kind of how it worked. Now, do, do you ever think that maybe you were like ahead of your time, at least with the subject matter? Because of course, in the last four or five years, there's been like this explosion in almost nostalgia, but certainly, you know, interest in it with the movie and, and with a, just a ton of books about it and other stuff. And, and I think back and realize, my God, your project came out 15 years ago before anybody was really talking about it. And I just wonder if maybe it might've had a different reception now than it did back then. I don't think anyone, I don't think in terms of, um, in the music industry, I don't think anyone would really would put out a record that was about terrorism now. Um, I mean, I think as you know, they would, they would see it, very um you know and i if i if i did it now I, i'd kind of look you know you'd have to you know it would be following in in the in the wake of the film the film kind of had a sort of um regardless of what you think about the film um and i kind of don't really know what i think about the film to be honest um uh you know the, the film kind of had a, a cachet um that it that it that it, it you know at least was a sort of a major german film yeah. um whereas you know that that it, it kind of had to be that and it had to kind of it was uh you know, it had to kind of be on the you know the 40th uh, anniversary of 68 and all of that business. Um, so there's no you know there's no way it would have happened really. It happened when it did. You know, for yeah. um, you know just just out of uh, you know it, you know it, I was going to say kind of like serendipity, but there was no serendipity. It just happened when it did. Um, you know, and and that's 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 the way it, the way it should be. But um, I also think you know obviously. You know, uh, you know, there was a period kind of um, post 2001 where where people were, were sort of saying, were kind of were kind of like, you know, wow, how did you guys ever get that record out? And you know, when in 1995, 96, no one, no one was really thinking about terrorism. They were more con- terrorism. They were kind of thinking, you know, more in terms of, you know, isn't that a bit, you know, well, if you're going to make a, a record about uh, terrorism, you know, why aren't you making one about the IRA? <laughs> and yeah. it's, it was, you know, and it, again, once again, it was, well, I'm not making, you know, this isn't kind of an academic, uh, you know, reportage thing. It's not, um, it's not actually a political statement. It was, that's, that's kind of quite important, actually, to kind of get that across. It was, that it wasn't a political statement. It was, it was most definitely, um, kind of an art experiment, you know, in, yeah. in a new sound that I had and also just combining, you know, what my, my particular interest at that time with the new sound. Now, you know, my, my particular interest at that time could have been, um, you know, macrame, you know, whatever. <laughs> I would have, you know, and I was still, I would have still combined it with that sound, but it was kind of interesting because I, I sort of also knew 
you know, I was younger than I, I was sort of a, a bit more kind of gauche, you know, um, and uh, I, I didn't know. I was I was aware that I knew that I, it would kind of, you know, there'd, there'd be a certain kind of uh, amorality to it that would wind up the music press, and it did a little bit. So yeah. that was good. You know, I was struck by listening to this and your songs about uh, Leeds and Klaus Kinski that you, you, you know, the 70s seemed to loom really large in your thoughts, not always in the most, you know, kind of nostalgic ways. Mm. Um, is that like a theme through a lot of your work? Uh, it may be. I don't know. It's, you know, I, I've kind of, I'm kind of realizing that I don't really plan things out that much. You know, uh, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm kind of quite intuitive and I just... You know, whatever kind of whatever kind of grabs my attention, um, I just sort of do it, and I don't really think too much about um, whether this is all part of any kind of grand scheme or anything like that. Um, you know, and uh, I, you know, when you get to a certain point um, when you've made quite a lot of records, where you suddenly realise you actually are kind of covering, sometimes covering the same ground or coming and going at the same thing at a different angle. And you could be, you know, you could be accused in some ways of just sort of like, you know, kind of some kind of repetition, which, it, but again, I actually don't think that's a bad thing. You know, I, I think just keep on going over the same old turf, you know, and keep on, uh, keep on covering it. I don't think it matters, you know. Um, I think the important thing is just to sort of be, be an artist and just keep on making stuff you know even if it's the same you know the same old thing every time yeah. i don't think it matters i think it's, i think a true artist does that you know well I, you know i'm i'm basically your age and i and so i kind of grew up as a kid in the 70s as well and i tend to as i you know became this expert in the bottom line effort i, I tend to look back at the 70s both as the most happy positive time of my life and also an unbelievably sinister time when I think about all the stuff that was going on. I'm, mm. I'm very conflicted, and 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 that was a that was a little bit of the element I felt I was getting when I was listening to your song about Leeds United. When I was listening to your Bader Meinhof stuff, it was this sort of ambivalence about that whole uh, time frame. And I don't know if maybe that's just me reading into the work. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's you know weirdly, weirdly, I suppose I do feel kind of. Um, I feel probably more disconnected from the time we're in now, but maybe that's a, maybe that's a kind of common thing of sort of middle age. I don't know, um, but you know, I, you know, I, I, I kind of feel that I could be in weirdly, I could be in any time, but I do, but I feel slightly disconnected um, to this to this kind of present in terms of you know culturally, you know, that sort yeah. of uh, you know that kind of you know I think perhaps we, because we're living in a kind of that very accelerated culture you know um uh it's, it's difficult to actually kind of uh anchor onto anything so do you see elements like that made the 70s so dark at work today do you see uh or maybe even a return to some of the stuff that what that drove people then i guess drove people to become terrorists drove people to just um I don't know. It's hard to describe. I guess I'm not sure what I'm asking, but do you, do you see like a, like any kind of element, the things that made the seventies fascinating and sinister today, or is it just a completely different era for you? Well, I think it was, I think it was, it was completely different because, um, 
you know, a lot of the, a lot of the kind of the uh, the Red Army faction uh, activities and uh, you know other other sort of groups around you know kind of like 68 and post 68 groups were kind of you know obviously informed by the by new left politics and all of that kind of stuff, which which is sort of you know um, you know in any in any kind of uh, certainly any mainstream or even any kind of uh, you, you know, it would be, it would be incredibly marginalised to find, find, you know, any kind of really relevant sort of strand of that today, certainly in this country, I think. You know, if someone, if someone, you know, I, I actually met someone who, who declared himself to be a Marxist about four years ago, and it was just like, oh, it was hilarious, you know, you know, you, you know, you can't possibly be a Marxist, you know, it's ridiculous, it's ludicrous. Um, so I think in that, in, in that, in that sense, you know, it, it came from a completely different angle to, to the sort of, to the more kind of global sort of terrorism that were, you know, we're kind of getting used to today or, you know, that we, we you know, that's been foisted upon us one way or another, you know, today. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's a different, I think it's a totally different thing. I think that was what, you know, that, that was kind of part, part of doing, doing the album that, that it felt like it was, it was taking something that was, it was so, uh, I mean, you know, you know better. When, uh, was it was it about 1998 when Red, Red Army faction activities sort of stopped? Yeah, they 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 officially disbanded. They, they actually kind of stopped in '94 was their last right, action, and right. they officially disbanded in that peculiar Red Army faction way with a communicate that they faxed to the press. Yeah. Which, I think it's amazing. This is a group that actually officially disbanded with the facts and they sent it off in, I think it was June maybe of 98. Right. And, and announced their disillusion and pretty much all of the members of the group, the last few members were, I think maybe there's one left in prison, but the last few members were eventually released. I think maybe last year or two years ago. Right. Right. So right, Germany's, right. Germany's finally maybe moving on from that crazy era yeah So when you were making this um, this album, you're you're pulling in um, different people to come work with you. How, how did you describe the project to them? Oh, it was it was uh, you know it was, it was a case of, of um, you know you, it was it was a case of you know well, you know kind of just phoning up and you know you're you're coming in to do this. I wasn't I wasn't going to ask them whether they wanted to be involved. I was just sort of yeah. telling them, you know, uh, and I got some. The, the, I mean, the core you know people really were were, were Phil Vinyl, the producer. Um, who I worked with on on um, a few of the early auteurs records, um, and uh, it, it was it was him and, and me and and uh, 
a, a classically trained Indian percussionist called Kuljit Bamra, um, who's, who's great. And, uh, we, we, I just record it, uh, you know, I mean, not to get too technical about it, but it sort of sometimes amazes me. I'm thinking back, but I'd, I'd kind of go in, um, and, and just lay down the, the backing track with just an acoustic guitar with no, no click track to follow at all. So you can, the, the tracks are kind of wandering all over the place. And then, then Kuljit would kind of come in and put, put all this layers and layers of Indian percussion. It would kind of, it would kind of hold the whole thing together. Um, and we just got a kind of method to, to doing it as, as the sort of recording sessions progressed. Um, and, uh, if you, if, if you listen to the album closely, you can, you can tell that, uh, as, and as I said, the songs were kind of written and recorded in the, in the order that they were conceived. So, mm-hmm. um, you can tell that the actual performances get better throughout the, throughout the wreck of the course of the album. So by the last two tracks, it's actually fairly competent. But if you listen to the first, <laughs> the first, the first two tracks are really, really kind of wayward, which is really good because we just didn't know everyone's kind of following my acoustic guitar and you can hear, you can hear leaked vocals all over it because we just recorded in a very small 16 track studio with, with kind of cheap microphones and stuff. Um, and it's yeah, just, but it seems to, it just seems to work so well. It's such a, it's, yeah, it's, it's such a, a fantastic thing. Well, it's, it's, a weird, it's one of the few times where I've had I've had the I've had the kind of sound in my head before it was even written, um, and when you've got that, it's kind of like it's almost like a drag having to write the songs because you just want to kind of get you know you just want to make the record because you know what it sounds like, but for the fact you haven't actually got these songs, you know, so it was kind of you know it it, it was sort of fully you know in a way it was fully conceived before anything before it was written really so it was just a matter of kind of like going going through it all and and i think that that was kind of the sort of incompetence on some of the early tracks kind of is is all part of it you know uh, boy it's weird it's weird hard to hear you describe them as that because you know i've, I've been listening to them for so long and and they they're it didn't occur to me that 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 they that they improved competence wise um as it went on but I definitely can take your point on that. That that can I ask you? I want to ask you about some specific songs, if mm-hmm. if that's okay, if you can sure. remember them. So, um, I you know I've always been struck by just weird questions that I've asked, and other people have actually asked me. Right. Um, email on my website, for instance, um, you have a song halfway through it called, uh, I think it's an instrumental. It's GSG twenty nine. Yeah. What, why why was it GSG twenty nine? What what did what did exactly that mean, or do you remember? Uh, I think I think it was an amalgamation of uh, was it G, was GSG it was, I think, was GSG nine is yeah, the yeah. anti-terrorist group. Yeah, like I said, I, w- I was getting my research from <laughs> getting my yeah. research over, and I was aware, and, and I was doing stuff so quickly, and that um, that track was actually that's actually made up of other bits of um, and outtakes of other bits of songs. It's like a bunch of of sort of tape uh, tape sections all spliced together. This because this, this album was also done yep. on analog. There's no there's no kind of digital nonsense. So it was all every, all the edits and there's quite a lot of them were were kind of like spliced together. So yeah, it should have been GSG nine. I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that answers my question I've had for a long time. What about um what is Kill Ramirez about? I I have been trying to figure out what exactly Okay, that was it was a sort of it's kind of it's a kind of fantasy about uh about uh uh Layla the Layla Halade um uh plane plane jacking um in uh it was nineteen seventy, wasn't it, I think, the famous one. And uh it was just a sort of uh 
just an, an idea of uh, of it was a combination of um, of Leila Harlade and, and Carlos the Jackal, um, you know, because uh, 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 Ramirez and Fat Boy. Ramirez is obviously um, uh, Carlos's real name, and um, yeah. and uh, the Fat Boy was um, apparently uh, some nickname he was given. Uh, uh, I, I had quite a few again in 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 the, in the sort of. Um, the uh the sort of sketchy research i did I, I did manage to pick up quite a few kind of really old kind of carlos books that were kind of written by uh you know like daily you know daily telegraph kind of journalists cause they were the only kind of people who were writing about that stuff um i suppose and these these are kind yeah. of books from the the 80s you know when when even it's not, funny not it's funny i know um, i have a couple carlos. of those so books as well kind of, kill ramirez was kind of a, a fantasy um about that it was just as i said in you know in that kind of idea of making it a kind of dreamscape and slightly hallucinogenic um it was just splicing a lot of things together really it's interesting i have i have uh quite a few of those books as well and after they captured carlos you end up realizing that some of those books were pure and utter fantasy. Yeah, yeah. They literally just yeah. made stuff up on the fly, but that's in a sense, it's okay because it gives you an idea of the milieu and how people thought and treated these people at the time, but they were absolute, completely inaccurate. There's one, in there's one, but maybe is it, is it the, is it the, um, it might be the, I think it's, it might be the book called Sky Pirates, I think. You, do you know that book? Um, I, I don't. Okay. I think and it's got about, um, it's got this, this sort of like ludicrous idea that there was a sort of like an international um, terror coalition <laughs> yep. in the seventies, you know, uh, we, and uh, you know, and you know, the, uh, uh, you know, Andreas Bader would sort of sit around a table with these various <laughs> sort, of, yeah. sort of, you know, members of Black September, you know, somewhere. It's absolutely insane, you know, that there would be this kind of like, you know, this cogent kind of uh, coalition of about twelve people, you know, like the UN or something. It was kind of a notion that was put forth a little bit by the CIA. Right, there, right. Was a fam there was a famous book by a woman named Claire Sterling called The Terror Network, which was a huge bestseller. Okay. And in, in retrospect, um, it was realized that it was pretty much funded by the CIA. And it was and the, and the kind of the point to the book was to put forth this notion that there was this international terrorist conspiracy kind of put funded and and put into place by communist forces russia mm, and other mm. stuff Sounds and in retrospect Sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> i know and and the irony is in retrospect there actually was a certain element of truth as you know when they when they captured the ref um after the fall of the berlin wall they mm. realized that a bunch had been living in east germany and had been funded by the east german government but then the real the true uh truth was that the you know the russians didn't want to have anything to really do with international terrorism it was just a an annoyance to them yeah, it, yeah. It, it 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 kind of it, it made detente problematic so they weren't really interested in it but it, it's just interesting to look in retrospect how much people's opinions about terrorism was completely caught up in their own personal beliefs about the cold war and stuff yeah so. yeah yeah and i guess i guess we've got a sort of you know you know now now there's a kind of like you know with the internet there's a kind of a proliferation of uh of, <laughs> of too much information about it also you know yeah yeah so so as the years have gone on and now you've heard all of a sudden there's this explosion of information about the group and stuff have you um does it cause you to think back to this project? Do you think you would have done it differently having heard about all of this stuff or it's just a... No, I kind of like just, it is... as it is. It's sort of, I, I kind of like the way it's a bit, 
you know, uh, you know, in some ways it's a bit raggedy, you know, it kind of adds to it. It's like a kind of, um, it's like a kind of like bootleg movie or something, you know, uh, in the, you know, the way that the kind of like the, 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 the complex movie came out, it's kind of quite a slick kind of yeah. thing. And, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit kind of ho-hum. Um, what did you think of the movie, by the way? Well, you know, I'm, I have complex feelings about it. Um, yeah. I, on one level, I, I think it's, um, you know, it's fantastic. Mm. It's this very, um, it's, it's, it, 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 it takes Ausch book and it just tells it. Matter of factly, you're right about it being slick. It's the most expensive German movie ever made. And it, and it looks it. And, um, the downside to it to me is uh, on a couple levels, um, is one, it doesn't really take any stand, which was interesting. Yeah. It's very, it, it, and I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying from an artistic standpoint, it's weird to have a movie that literally has no seeming opinion about this mm-hmm. issue. Um, and number two is on, from an artistic standpoint, they made a choice to, to just, to not really dealt to have a hundred characters, but not really introduce any of them. So it's just for, for people that are coming into this subject, it's, unbelievably confusing to them. I'm watching this and going, okay, that's supposed to be Holger Mines. That's supposed to be, yeah, Carlos, yeah, but these yeah. are yeah, I'm, really important people yeah, I was and they of, don't introduce I, them. Maybe that's, maybe that's, yeah, that's, maybe that's, that's the thing. Cause I was kind of, uh, strangely a little kind of like, you know, uh, blase about it and kind of about, well, yeah, I know what's happening next. And I know, you know, it was kind of like just, it was just, you know, the, they, you know, it was, it was the history of, you know, uh, as, as done, you know, in, in whatever, two, two and a bit hours, you know. Um, so, so yeah, um, yes, yeah, anyway. So I, I look at the movie and I go, it's, God, it's great. And then if people are asking me, God, if I want to see some movies about it, I would say definitely watch that. And then I would suggest, other movies like um like uh the lost honor of katarina blum or these other movies mm-hmm. that deal with the era from a very specific viewpoint and if you're going and i'd say together those are going to give you kind of a great picture of what was going on at the time so and and also it's important to note they the releasing company did hire me to somewhat sort of promote the movie so i have a i have a okay. certain bias yeah, yeah. towards it that said you know I, I i i like i said i have ambivalence towards it i was really excited when it came out because it it of course brought more interest to the subject yeah. but did didn't really make a day it was really prominent in the uk but as everything with this subject it made zero dent in the u.s yeah. the u.s doesn't seem to care about this no, whatsoever no, no, so no, no. <laughs> anyway okay so uh last couple questions yeah. um uh what was back on the farm about well that was kind of that was kind of a, a, an idea of a kind of just a, a kind of general kind of hideout song it could have been you know it could have been anything it could have been uh you know, just just an idea of, of hiding out in the commune. You know, I'd heard I'd heard, heard all these um, these stories about how how you know various various members of the Bader-Meinhof gang, Red Army faction, you know, were were kind of hiding out in Amondul II's kind of uh, you know farmhouse and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and all those kind of connections. So again, once again, it was just taking it was taking those ideas and running with it. You know. Do you ever wonder why there's not more? works like musical works that are inspired by um not necessarily the bottom enough group but this um era or terrorism i mean in terms of this particular subject i'm thinking of your album i think of the talking heads song um life during wartime which was about basically the bottom life group mm. and nothing else and i'm I, and i've always thought this seems to be a perfect subject matter for somebody to explore musically yet 
not many have. Do you ever wonder why there isn't more? Um, I think I think that um, that maybe uh, you know rock bands um, are pretty professional these days, <laughs> and uh, you know they've got they've got one eye uh, always got one eye on the um, you know on the cash box how the how the, how the records doing you know um, and if you're going to do something. Um, like Bader Meinhof, uh, or certain other things, you know, uh, you, you know, you've got to be fairly committed to the fact that, um, you ain't going to get much radio play. If you ain't going to get any radio play, um, then, uh, you know, you're fucked, really, in terms of, uh, yeah. of actually selling the record. Um, <clears throat> so I mean, I mean, that, 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 that the album, Bader Meinhof, I think it's sold relatively few copies. I've no idea what it actually sold, but I mean, you know, I'd be, be surprised if it sold as many as 10,000, you know, it's, you know. Yeah. I, I know on my site, I've probably sold a hundred of them, maybe, right, okay. which is, which is pretty good because I have like, I have live Amazon links to it and I've, and I've had it on there, but I honestly, I was looking on it last night and I saw that there was, you know, several thousand clicks to Amazon through it. Just and I, I, I just put the links up there just if people are interested. Right. I'm not really trying to make money, but even then, I'm thinking, man, I really kind of praise this album, and people come to my website and they seem to appreciate what I have to say. And I was surprised it wasn't more because it's so great. It's like the soundtrack to my site, kind of. But it's, and it's I, also, it's also, I don't know. it's also kind of fairly unavailable i think you know it's it's some it's sometimes available on amazon i don't know how many how kind of in print it is with the record label i mean it was it was in print for quite a few years but it's sort of gradually going out of print um and so it's going to you know it's, it's kind of getting getting rare and sometimes you see it you know for you know somewhere for a ridiculous price and other times you kind of see it for kind of you know whatever five five pound you know seven dollars or something like that so it's it's i don't know it's just got a, a, the availability of it is kind of sketchy and it's one of those things i don't know if you'd want to you know if you, you, you kind of want well I, you know I'm, I'm the kind of person i have i have albums i don't i don't go in for all this sort of um you know downloading business <laughs> you know um i'd want it like that you know I, I completely agree. So what are you working on uh, now? Uh, I've just done a, I've just sort of uh, getting to the end of the follow-up to the, the last book, um, uh, which is sort of at the next five or so years. Um, uh, and um, I'm doing a couple of shows. Uh, I'm playing in London on April the 15th, then Paris uh, on the 4th of May. Then uh, I'm doing a sort of, uh, uh, it's going to be a kind of, uh, how, how to put this? It's going to be kind of like a, a male art kind of music thing, um, which is going to be sort of around in the summer if I can get it together in time. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, um, I definitely appreciate your time, uh, taking the time speaking with me today. People who want to learn more about Luke Haynes, um, you can go to your website. What is your website? Uh, <laughs> I think it's LukeHaynes.com, yeah, but it might be. I think it's, no, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's .co.uk. I'm not very up on this, this stuff. Okay. <laughs> I'll make sure to loop in the exact actual address. And if people want to, um, hear, bottom line off or purchase it they can find links in my store or on the page on my website and also you can find links um in my amazon store to um luke's book bad vibes brit pop and my part in its downfall luke thank you so much for spending a few minutes of your time thank talking you. with me thanks today. a lot thank, thanks a lot i will talk Bye. to you later Bye. Bye.